When a promising rock musician grows tired of the road and the pressure of performing, he gives up music and gets a job at a hardware store. Then one day, his passion shows up in a different art form, cigar box guitar making. You're listening to the Craftsmanship Podcast, a show about the artisans, makers, and innovators who are creating a world built to last. I'm Pauline Bartoloni. Today's piece, The Cigar Box Guitar Maker, was written by Nancy Lebrun and was originally published in 2015. It seems like a crazy way to make music. A cast-off cigar box, a stick of wood, and a few strings that barely look capable of making a twang. That's about all there is to a cigar box guitar. Yet, when Paul Simon recorded his acclaimed album, So Beautiful or So What?, he played one. Jimi Hendrix made one when he was a kid. Johnny Depp once gave one to Paul McCartney. To a guy named Mike Snowden, the sound of these instruments is so compelling that making them has become the central passion in his life. I recently found Snowden on a bright spring morning, rolling power tools around his garage in Marietta, Georgia, a suburb outside Atlanta. To set up his workshop, Snowden had to thread his way through kayaks, kids' bicycles, storage boxes, and the usual household detritus. I don't have crazy expensive tools, he said, with an easy smile and a shrug. Just a tabletop saw, a router, a drill press, and a sander and a bandsaw. Dressed in Converse sneakers and a plaid shirt, Snowden seems so laid back that I wondered if he is permanently relaxed. It soon became clear, however, that he is deceptively diligent about his trade, happily following a path that has demanded a few idiosyncratic choices. Snowden grew up in Natchitoches, Louisiana, the state's oldest town, where the main street echoes the New Orleans French Quarter in both its Creole buildings and its vibrant music scene. Snowden took it all in. At age 13, he bought a bass guitar and began playing along to his parents' albums, which included the standard Springsteen, Beatles, and Stevie Wonder repertoire. In high school, he started playing bass with local bands but wanted more. When he turned 18, he headed not to college, but to Atlanta, where groups like the Black Crows and Indigo Girls had gotten their start. After four years of playing the bar scene, he helped found a blues rock group named Band de Soleil, becoming their bass player. The day after the group formed, they left for a six-week tour. They were soon opening for acts like Joe Cocker and Dave Matthews. Those were heady days. We had a manager, attorneys, we were signed to a record deal, the whole shooting match. It was like being in the middle of a hurricane. For five years, Snowden played roughly 250 nights a year. Before they could reach their next level, however, exhaustion and rivalries began to take a toll. At one point, while they were in Atlanta recording their second album, they slowly realized it was over. It just wasn't fun anymore. Near the end of the band, it was way out of control. Too many people had different things going on. Snowden felt they were now at the mercy of the recording industry and had lost control of their destiny. I was just done, Snowden says. 
I was so tired of music and playing music. After limping through a few last bookings, Snowden headed home to Marietta, back to his wife Monique, his high school girlfriend. They soon had a daughter, and to make ends meet, Snowden took the job that he still has 18 years later, working the 5 to 10 a.m. shift in the garden department at Home Depot. At heart, though, he was still a musician. He just didn't want the circus that went with it. For several years, Snowden didn't touch a musical instrument. But when his daughter was five, something dawned on him. She'd never seen me play, he says. If she was ever going to know who her father really was, he realized, she would need to hear his music. In an effort to find a new path back to his old love, Snowden tried drums, the banjo, the mandolin. I started buying all these instruments and nothing satisfied me, he recalls. One day, while surfing the web, he stumbled on a video of a guy playing a guitar made out of a cigar box. I thought I knew a lot about music, he says, but this was something totally new, at least to him. Musical Freedom A cigar box guitar may be simple, but there is a certain art to making a good one. The first one Snowden attempted worked. And that's what surprised me, he says. Entirely self-taught, Snowden hammered his way through the craft's learning curve. The first hundred or so weren't that great, he says. As you're learning, you get real frustrated. It's a very emotional thing. Sometimes I'd be down in my basement and I'd be like, what am I doing, man? The main challenge had to do with the guitar's proportions, what instrument makers call scale. If the neck is too long or the frets are in the wrong place, the sound is compromised. And they can be uncomfortable to play. Trial and error were his teachers. I got better at each little part. I've made all the mistakes, so I know how to make them just right. A cigar box guitar can be three string, four string, or even one string. Snowden loves that. As someone who never had much use for rules, the CBG or cigar box guitar was a good fit. Since he started making CBGs in 2007, Snowden has sold more than a thousand of them by way of his website, YouTube videos, and word of mouth. His customers hail from places as far flung as Japan, Germany, and Australia. Christian Bush of Sugarland has recommended them as Christmas gifts on his website. Prices range from $300 to $450, depending on the intricacy of the design and the number of strings. It's not fame and fortune, but it's freedom. I figured out how to do this, and I don't have to ask anybody's permission, he says. Snowden is like the ultimate one-man band, making and selling guitars and performing around town with a pedal-operated drum kit that he rigged himself. Most guitars these days are mass-produced, using computer software, making them identical models of precision and reliability. By contrast, Snowden relishes the opportunity to create one-of-a-kind instruments that, despite their simplicity, are surprisingly versatile. You can play with a pick, your fingers, a slide, or an effects pedal. But even when you just plug one into an amp, you get a really cool sound. Each box is going to have a different tone. That's what's really fun about making them. You don't know what it's going to sound like. 
As variable as they are, CBGs share one trait. They have a haunting, droning kind of tone that you can't get with any other instrument I've heard. You're listening to the Craftsmanship Podcast. Today's piece, The Cigar Box Guitar Maker, was written by Nancy Lebrun. You can watch a video of Snowden building and then playing one of his guitars on our website, craftsmanship.net. That's craftsmanship.net. Now back to our story, read by Avantika Srinivasan. Pure Americana. Snowden's resourcefulness with these guitars puts him squarely in the tradition of American folk music. CBGs are pure Americana, reflecting a corner of the culture where money was scarce, but ingenuity was plentiful. The instrument started showing up promptly after the boxes themselves, around 1840. The first were probably fiddles, says CBG historian William Jell, who wrote One Man's Trash, A History of the Cigar Box Guitar. Fiddles were more common than guitars in those days, he says, because higher-pitched instruments had a better chance of being heard in the days before electric amplification. During vaudeville and the early years of radio, cigar box guitars became popular as novelty instruments. As those trends faded, the guitars were often relegated to use as children's toys. But in the American South, the cotton pickers and tenant farmers looked to music to lighten their lives. The cigar box guitar was affordable and accessible. They could be made with the box, a broom handle, and any wire that was handy. Lightning Hopkins, one of the greatest of the Mississippi Delta bluesmen, had one. In an interview for the documentary Where Lightning Strikes, he says, I got me a cigar box, I cut me a round hole in the middle of it, take me a little piece of plank, nailed it onto that cigar box, and I got me some screen wire, and I made me a bridge back there, and I raised it up high enough that it would sound inside that little box and got me a tune out of it. Like many artisans these days, Snowden is adept at social media. Yet some customers still discover him the old-fashioned way. In 2013, when the actor Jeff Daniels was in Atlanta working on Dumb and Dumber 2, he saw one of Snowden's CBGs displayed in a local recording studio. Intrigued, Daniels checked out Snowden's website and then got in touch. Mike came down to my hotel from Marietta, Daniels explained by email. I thought he might bring one or two guitars. He brought 30. Showed up at my door with one of those hotel luggage carts stacked to the top. He laid them all around the room. Then Snowden played one. All that sounds coming out of that, he recalls thinking. Daniels was sold. I could have bought them all. I cut myself off at three. Daniels soon wrote a song called Close But No Cigar, which he says kills. Once you buy three cigar box guitars, you have to uh, uh, write a song, preferably about a cigar. So I wrote a song called uh, Also Close But No Cigar. Snowden makes most of the parts on his guitars himself. For the nut, the piece of the top of the neck that holds the strings in place, he uses a basic hardware store screw. 
And then, of course, there's the box. Snowden is a frequent visitor at cigar stores around town or during travels on the hunt for perfect boxes. Box mysteries. Good ones aren't easy to find. Sometimes Snowden gets lucky and discovers a back room filled with boxes. At other shops, there may be only a few lonely leftovers piled outside, with a sign offering them for a few bucks each. Many have torn labels or have been sliced with box cutters. Out of a hundred boxes, he might find only four or five that he can use. The best are those with an eye-catching label in good condition. Most of all, he wants something large enough to produce the sound quality he's looking for. The bigger the box, the better the guitar, he says. If the wood is too thick, the tone suffers. To check the wood's density, therefore, he always gives the boxes a good thump before making a purchase. Most cigar boxes are made of Spanish cedar, though cedar is a misnomer. The wood actually comes from a tree called Cedrela odorata, which is a fragrant, resin-heavy relative of mahogany that grows in Latin and South America. Snowden doesn't believe the variety of wood makes much difference, but he does admit to having two favorite brands. One is Punch, which goes back to the mid 19th century. Its box makes a guitar that he describes as having a growly, gnarly sound. Cohiba, a Dominican import, is his other choice, which he thinks makes a smoother, mellower-sounding instrument. To cigar aficionados, there is nothing finer than a Cuban Cohiba, which also happens to be Fidel Castro's favorite. One can't help wondering whether our thawing relations with Cuba will open up opportunities for new boxes and new sounds. The origins of the cigar box guitar are obscured in the mists or perhaps smoke of time. What is clear is why, more than a century ago, there were so many cigar boxes around. Cigar or cigar smoking, as it was known in America in its beginning, dates to the late 18th century, and the contempt for it began almost simultaneously. Tony Hyman, curator of CigarMuseum.org, dug up this scold from the New York Weekly magazine of Wednesday, August 24, 1796. There is nothing, perhaps, more pernicious or more destructive to the health of man than the present practice of cigar smoking. It is of all others the most disagreeable, as well as the most obnoxious thing to use. In the early part of the 19th century, cigars were usually shipped in cases of a thousand, wrapped in anything from pigs' bladders to palm leaves. America was expanding rapidly, and cigar smoking was booming right along with it. Hyman estimates that people, mostly men, were smoking about 300 million cigars a year by the middle of the century. During the Civil War, when President Lincoln went in search of tax revenue to fund the war effort, cigars offered an opportune windfall. In 1863, the federal government issued regulations standardizing the types of boxes that could be used. With one stroke, the IRS was given an easy way to track their sales. By 1865, it was illegal to ship cigars that weren't boxed. At the time, color lithography was just coming into its own, taking advertising to a new level. 
The nexus of the cigar's popularity and design innovations quickly found its way across the U.S. Before long, thousands of mom and pop manufacturers, similar to today's microbreweries, were competing for the customer's attention with ornate cigar box labels and logos. Hyman goes so far as to credit the cigar box with the development of point-of-sale advertising. When the brightly colored boxes started appearing in droves, people began to reuse them in ways limited only by the imagination. They became button containers, memento holders, lunch boxes, clocks, lamps, and musical instruments. Snowden takes a certain pleasure in continuing the tradition of cigar box upcycling, but he's doing more than that. Not only is he giving the boxes themselves a second life, he also is reclaiming additional wood supplies by using castoffs from a local carpenter to make the guitar's necks. The net result creates a brand new thing, which is likely to have a much richer and longer life than the original ever would have had. Simple dreams. Snowden's early shift at Home Depot gives him the rest of the day to do as he pleases, and it almost always involves cigar boxes. He's become a draw at local festivals and bars, and lately he's been doing workshop for kids, handing out child-sized cigarillo boxes and showing them how to build their own instruments. He seems completely at peace with his choices, with no plans for a CBG breakout hit or any more tours. No rules, no stress, just good music. Not that he's without dreams. My next step is to start making my own boxes. Wouldn't it be cool to have a whole guitar made of walnut? I'll always keep on making cigar box guitars, but I might do a sideline of guitars that are one hundred percent made by me. The Cigar Box Guitar Maker was written by Nancy Lebrun and read by Avantika Srinivasan. It was produced by me, Pauline Bartoloni. Our managing editor is Lori Weed. Todd Oppenheimer is the founding editor and executive director. Our theme music was both composed and performed by Mike Snowden on one of his cigar box guitars, and he also performed some of the other music you heard in this piece. Mike Snowden is now recording music, performing, and has cigar box guitar lessons on YouTube. You can learn more at SnowdenGuitars.com. That's S-N-O-W-D-E-N Guitars.com. This story was originally published in the summer of 2015 issue of the online magazine Craftsmanship. If you like this episode, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss upcoming stories, interviews, and audio projects about the world's most skilled artisans and innovators. You can support us by sharing our work with others and rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever platform you use. You can find more stories, videos, audio recordings, and resources on craftsmanship on our website, craftsmanship.net. Thanks for listening. Until next time.